You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 5720 Ridge Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. In preparation for moving this congregation, I was thinking about all the times that I've moved in my life. And it was kind of fun to remember, actually. Uh, I don't think about these things that often because I've been where in the house that I live in now um, on Abbotsford Avenue in Germantown for 11 years. So I haven't moved in a long time. But there was a season of my life when I did a lot of moving, and I was involved in moving a lot of other people, too. So when I met Steve in 2002, uh, he was renting a house with a bunch of his friends on 42nd and Spruce, and I was living with a bunch of college friends in Havertown, just outside of West Philly. And over the next two years, um, before we got married, we moved him four times and me three times. For real. That's just like one-way moves, right? I'm counting each one way. Um, but it was crazy. That's a lot of moving in a short time. And I look back now and I think, what, what were we doing? We chose to do that. First, his landlord was selling the house that he was living in, so he had to move. Uh, we moved him to 48th and Bering. I forgot to check these facts with Steve, and I'm not a great historian. 30. Oh, 30, okay. He might correct me throughout the night. 38th and Bering um, with two other guys. And I was living in Havertown, like I said, with a bunch of college friends, uh, and I decided that I wanted to move into the city and live alone because I'd never lived alone before. Uh, But first, I went away for the summer. So I packed up um, everything in the Havertown house and drove my stuff to Lancaster and repacked it in my parents' garage and attic and then went away for the summer. Uh, That summer was also the summer that Steve, an acquaintance of Steve's, was traveling for her doctorate or something and needed someone to live in her apartment, her fully furnished apartment for the summer, um, because she didn't want to leave it sit vacant. So Steve volunteered to move in while I was out of town. I think probably for financial reasons, it was real cheap, right? She just wanted a live person staying there. And Steve was poor, so this, this worked out well for him to save some money. <laughs> you had a job. It might have been under the table. but So we moved all of his stuff out of 38th and Bering to this fully furnished apartment of Adriel's, all right? So he basically lived like he was in a storage unit all summer long because we put her, his stuff on top of her stuff. And we created a path to the kitchen and the bathroom and the bed. And that's about it. Uh, And then I came home from the summer and I went back to Lancaster and got all of my stuff back out and uh, drove to Germantown where I moved into my very first apartment on my own. And it happens to be in the very old building that's next to the building that my office is in now. It was not an office building then, it's been renovated, but that's where I, that was my very first apartment. 
Um, and then we moved, <laughs> let's see, then we moved Steve um, out of his Adriel's apartment storage arrangement into 46th and Chester. That was right? Yeah, okay. 46th and Chester, where, where he lived until we got married, and then I moved in. And then I lived in my own place um, on Germantown Avenue for over a year before I moved into 46th and Chester. So that was seven moves in two years. And then after we got married, we lived in our one-room apartment in West Philly for a year and a half before we moved up to Germantown to a carriage house on Harvey Street. Uh, it's right down the street from the produce market for any of you who go to A&N Produce. Yep, it's great. Um, we lived there for over a year while I went to grad school, and then we bought our little house on Abbotsford in 2007. So, all told, between 2002 and 2007, Steve and I moved individually or collectively nine times in five years. And that didn't include all the friends that we were helping to move. So there was a lot of moving. Circle of Hope is a moving crew. I don't know if you know this, um, but if you ask, people will help you move. Ben White says this to people all the time. I feel like he might have even said it when he spoke here. But he says, literally, I'm built to move people. <laughs> he, he can move things that other people cannot move. Um, so not, not everyone knows that, so I'm telling you now that you need to make your need known and people will be willing to help you. Our cells move people. We move congregations. Our North Broad congregation uh, moved out of 2007 Frankfurt and into the Berean Institute at 19th and Girard. And then after being there for a while, they moved to 2309 North Broad. Our New Jersey congregation hived off of 1125 South Broad and moved four times before settling at 3800 Marlton Pike, where they are now. They were at Bridge of Peace Church. They moved to Fairmount View, or Fairview Community Center and then to Trinity Episcopal and then to 3800. So with all that moving, I've learned some things along the way. Um, and I wanted to share that with you tonight as we prepare to move this congregation. The first thing I, wanted to, I noted was that you need to do some sorting when you're going to move, leaving behind what isn't useful. If you've ever moved and you've not done this, you probably regretted it. A move is a good time to get rid of stuff. Uh, I couldn't help but think this yesterday as we cleared out the second floor of the Tulpahawken Street building where we're going to be renting. There were um, at least 18 adults and six children that came. It was quite a crew. We did a lot in a very short amount of time, basically an hour. And as we were moving their stuff, the this, this building belongs to the Congregation of Christ Church and St. Michael's Episcopal. Um, and they had a lot of old church things stored upstairs. And as we were moving their stuff, I thought, they might want to go through this and get rid of some things before we move it. Now to the third floor, 
where it will eventually need to move again, I'm sure. But they weren't prepared for that kind of project, so we just moved it all. Anyway, it saves a lot of trouble if you can take the time to sort through what you've collected and consider if it's useful. There are things that you don't want to take with you, so that um, it'll just be more work. It'll get in the way. So it's worth taking the time to do some sorting. Leave behind what isn't useful. For us as a congregation, as we move, we don't have a lot of extra stuff. Uh, we actually haven't accumulated that much stuff because we literally pack this whole thing up into a closet every week. So we're very portable. Um, that, that closet is a Jenga game that only Jeffy and the rest of the tech team can do. <laughs> um, but there are other ways to consider this for us, right? So the cell leaders were doing this kind of sorting this past week when we met for our cell plan training. We got to talking about how we want to include people and use this move to grow the church. We want people to know who we are and where we are, of course. Uh, for example, we want to reach out to folks who have been to a Sunday meeting at any point since we've started and um, invite them, include them, uh, invite them back. We want to get the word out to neighbors. We want to meet people around the building where we're moving to. I personally was surprised at how many people at Parks on Tap this week in, in Fern Hill Park uh, who said to me, oh, I've heard of Circle of Hope. How have I heard of Circle of Hope? Oh, I heard you guys were coming to Germantown and like bringing a thrift store, right? I was like, great, how'd you hear that? <laughs> yes, we, we, ha we have ideas for that. It depends on what building we find and where we can get a permanent home. Uh, but word is traveled, people know about us. But the cell leaders also uh, came up with some baggage that people have about church and Jesus that keeps us from speaking up. Our fears of being seen as trying to convert people or just uh, put Jesus into everything can silence us. We may not want to invite someone to our meeting because we're afraid of being perceived as coercive or something. And these kinds of fears can stifle our invitation or, or just water it down to a vague kind of take it or leave it thing. A passive, you're welcome, anytime, doesn't really feel very welcoming or, um, and it doesn't communicate the value of that person or the conviction of our hope. So we easily talk about uh, anything else that we're excited about, right? So, so what is this stuff that weighs us down from sharing the good news that the way of Jesus is life? In so many ways, we share what we know other people need or want, right? Whether it's talking about the final episode of Game of Thrones tonight, or swapping school uniforms that our kids don't need anymore, or talking about your favorite restaurant, or sharing a meme that made you laugh, uh, or even just getting your friends and neighbors to come to Parks on Tap event. We share what's good all the time. So when it feels hard to share 
the goodness of what God is doing in our lives and the joy that it brings us. Let's spend some time sorting through that stuff. Like what is there that's not useful? What's making that box so heavy? Whose stuff are we holding on to that's, not just, that's just not worth moving? It might be kind of like Adriel's apartment. There was no room to move when you embrace everybody else's stuff. There's no room left for really living in a new way and in a new space with Jesus. So we have to sort. We have to sort what is worth moving. Our opportunity, the opportunity is to leave behind what restricts us and to ask Jesus, what is from you that I need to take? What do I really need here? Give the good stuff a name, like put a label on it so you know what to do with it and leave the rest behind. What makes you excited? What fills a need in your own life? How is your life full because of Jesus? Let's move with that. Rebecca Sell was talking about this uh, and doing some sorting, essentially, I think, this, this week. Steve was telling me about it. He said, um, she asked them something like, what's the best thing about Circle of Hope? And four things I remember. I wrote them down because I thought it was so good. Somebody said, Circle of Hope is more than a sermon. Yes, please. Can we keep talking about that? <laughs> this is something that is bigger than the pastor or the sermon. And it might feel obvious to you, because if you've been doing this for a while, if you're a part of this community, but it's not an obvious thing. Somebody else said, the pastor knows everyone's name. And as much as it's not about me, I'm glad that that detail conveys that we're not just maintaining some kind of hierarchical system. Each person matters because we are building this thing together. Of course I want to know your name. That, that is commonplace here. Uh, and then someone else said, Actually, I don't know if I heard this from Steve or somebody else, but somebody said, we raise money for the community bail fund to help people get out of jail while they're awaiting a tri their trial. Yes, we mobilize to do things about the evil that goes on in the world. This isn't just about beliefs. It is about a life in Christ that reveals the kingdom of, that Jesus is making. And then I also heard this week, my children are known and loved. This community is a village of stability for my kids. Children are valuable to Jesus and to us. We think it's the, that the best way to help our children live a life of faith, hope, and love is to be nurtured in a community of faith. These are good things we can talk about all the time. All of this points to Jesus. All of these things are not just about our goodness. They reveal who Jesus is because we're living in such a way that shows people what life looks like when Jesus reigns. That is the kingdom of God. We know we've been given good stuff, but we may need to practice labeling it and naming it 
so, uh, so we can bring it up and bring it with us wherever we go and leave behind the other stuff. The next thing I've been thinking about is uh, when you move, it's good to embrace the disruption. Let things be new. When you move, everything gets disrupted, right? Not only are things packed up for a while until you settle in, but for example, uh, you can't just stumble out of bed to the bathroom anymore because now you sleep in a loft in a studio apartment. So you get out of bed in what, in what used to be the attic of an old West Philly house and you have to keep your head down so you don't hit it on the ceiling. And then you have to take it slow down the steps to get to the bathroom. Or you no longer have a washer and dryer in your building, so now you have to figure out how to transport all of your dirty laundry down the block. Things you thought that you had figured out are not a given anymore when you move. You're somewhere new. It might feel uncomfortable. It might require something more of you. You might need to be okay feeling out of place and awkward bumping down three flights of steps with the biggest suitcase you own in order to get all of that laundry to the laundromat. And I have a million more of those examples for every place that I've lived. I'm sure you probably have your own too. And we could complain about all the disruption of moving. But when we move with the mindset that we need to be made new, even as we are trying to make something new, the Spirit of God is with us in that. The word of the Lord in Isaiah 43:19 reminds us, look, I am doing a new thing. See how it springs up? We can look for the opportunities in the disruptions rather than focus on the inconvenience or the loss. And for me, the opportunity was to sit for a couple hours every week in the laundromat. It means brushing shoulders with your neighbors that you don't know yet. It means sitting in the experience of being new and needing help when you forget your detergent or you couldn't get the machine to work. It means that you can't just be on your own schedule or in your own world. It teaches us something about being new. And I think we will dampen the spirit if we're only interested in maintaining our routines or transferring our comfort. We need to embrace the disruption and ask God to help us have eyes to see what is new. What is the opportunity here? What is the best, what is the way we must change in order to do this? To move together. Who, we can't be who we were before. Jesus is the reason for that all the time. He is disrupting all the things that we thought we were. All throughout scripture, things are getting shaken up from the inside with Jesus. The rules, the routines, the ruling parties. Jesus is making something new and it requires humility and surrender to follow. And then the last thing, don't move in isolation, make friends. 
I mean this in two ways. One is personally, don't move alone. I started with the number of times that Steve and I moved. But I can't really tell you how many people helped us and were involved in each one of those moves. I didn't actually keep track. Many of you were, most, were those people. And we had no shame. We just kept asking you. I remember somebody commenting after they had carried like the fourth heavy crate of photo albums and, and scrapbooks that they were never, this was the last one that he was ever going to move. And that beloved person will remain nameless. But the comment was not unwarranted because I had a lot and those books weighed like 10 pounds each. And as I was talking with Kristen earlier, I'm dating myself because that was before the digital age and those printed pictures were very valuable to me. <laughs> um, but the best way to move is to not move in isolation. We need each other. Those experiences made memories and they were formative for my friendships in Circle of Hope. I think doing something together is a great way to form relationships. Because a shared experience is sometimes more powerful than a shared thought or a common belief. We need to do stuff together. We are made to create. Which leads me to the church as the whole. Um, we have a common mission together given to us by Jesus. In Matthew 18, he told his disciples before he left to go and make. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That is our purpose. That's our work given to us to help others to know and to follow Jesus. And how we go and make disciples as Circle of Hope is through multiplying cells and congregations. It's not the only way, but it is our unique way. We've seen the Spirit work through this strategy over and over again. In 2 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 2, Timothy is told to trust the gospel to trusting people who will entrust it to others. It is the Lord's strategy for bringing loved ones into the new creation to trust people who will share what they've got person to person. His main means is you and me and anyone else that we can find who will follow Jesus and his way with us. So we are on the move not just figuratively, but spiritually and corporately, we're moving. We've been given a mission in which to participate. And structuring ourselves this way orients all of us to this mission. And that's the best way I know for how to make a disciple. I, I don't know how to do it alone. We need each other. Together we help people find a sense of belonging and value with us so that they can have a sense of their belonging and mission through Jesus. We love God and we love others, so we, make, so we find ways to make connections just like God found a way to connect with us. 
the context that Jesus gave them this mission was in saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And in that, I commission you to do this. Go and make. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That I am with you part is the home that we have in Jesus. It's not the building. It's not the new location. We aren't doing any of this alone. Jesus is with us. Bible commentator Craig Keener says, if many Christians today have lost a sense of Jesus' presence and purpose among them, it may be because they have lost sight of the mission their Lord has given them. Jesus' presence and purpose among us compels us to keep going and making disciples. So we're moving this congregation to make room for the next person, both literally and in our hearts. Each of us needs to sort through what we're lugging around that's not from God and only take what's good. Move with what, what's from Jesus and leave the rest behind. Let's embrace this disruption so that we don't lose sight of the mission our Lord has given us to keep going and making disciples. And the move does not do that for us, but we can use it to help us do that, right? We can use this move to let people know where we are and who we are and who Jesus is. We cannot just move in isolation. We both need our neighbors and we need to be a neighbor. We want to make friends and to be a friend. And it's not just about doing a neighborhood thing. It's about being on a mission with Jesus to make disciples. And that includes everybody. Let me pray for us. Jesus, help us sort through what, what is from you and what we have carried around that might be weighing us down or not, not leave much room to move. Help us to share what we've got, the goodness of who you are and what you're making of us and to include everyone around us in whatever way we can. Thank you for this space and this time, both tonight and, and at St. Timothy's. Prepare us for what's next. In Jesus' name, amen. There's time to talk back, so hopefully you can add to what I've said with your thoughts. Anita. That's a good good way to start. <laughs> and I'm going to attempt to say it without crying. Mm -hmm. um, so I was mm -hmm. wondering about how moving is not always just happy, sometimes it's sad too. Mm -hmm. And I thought about how we raised this congregation from a baby in this space mm -hmm. for two and a half years. 
And although we already knew that it wasn't always be our home. So we created memories here and mm -hmm. memory and uh, just all this like look how much we've grown and I'll give you the space and it was this on my heart because it's okay to about my first apartment and um, like the first time without our own for my own just like the first time without our own South Broad mm -hmm. and raising our kids there, raising my kids there and everything and um, when I moved, of course it wasn't the best move to do with addiction. But um, so we certainly came to help we move. But once everything was going and it was time to actually leave and let go, I broke down. Because I realized like that part was officially over and it wasn't even the next one. And my friend Aubrey, she was with me and she helped me to see that I will never be able to pay her for no reason to buy that space. Well, you got me. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you, Anita. That might be enough, but if the Lord's putting something on your heart, there's there's space. Aisa. think you're alone. Change is hard for a lot of us. Let's leave it there for now. Did you have something? I, mean, just, I was, when you were talking about sorting, you know, I don't even know where in the Old Testament it is, but there's this moment, I think it was <laughs> like before they go to conquer Jericho or something, they're, where they're going to a battle and there's a whole army of guys and um, God tells the leader that, you know, whoever dips down and just drinks straight from the water, they're out of the army. And they don't tell this to anybody first. And whoever cups their hand, they stay in. And I'm just thinking about, like, how odd that is and how hard sorting can be and the sort of, like, 
almost, you know, the thing that might seem useful or really critical, um, hmm. just they have to get left behind sometimes. And that, like, hmm. the, that was an example of, like, one time in the Bible, I remember, it just being obvious, God gave this totally random thing that was probably hurtful to some of those guys. They wanted to be in the army. And it's like, no, this is something that we're going to do together, and you will rely on me. So you have to leave that thing that you think you need. Like, they stay by the river, and we move forward with what I've given you, essentially. Just like that act of sorting is, it's just a bit struggling. Mm. Aaron. I just want to tie time that because I feel like I'm the kind of person who wants to move all 70 boxes of books. And has a hard time letting go. I think they're Nestor Ritual, and there's like you have to embrace the vulnerability that you might you might miss that thing. You might need it on that. So it's an opportunity <coughs> to just get face to face with your need and trust your community and your God to be providing. Doesn't this seem to proportion like 90% of the need and 10% stay? And it's like God's like, no, I'm really going to win this battle. It's not going to be you. And I need to find some uncomfortable way to force you to relinquish that. To see that. In charge. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think God, I think it's a principle that God knows with every move. It's like stripping to your force. It isn't stripping to those of us like me. My grandfather, when he died, had like nine girls in his house. I think one of which actually worked. Mm. Was that Gideon? I think it was Gideon. Yeah. Oh, there's more. Um, Jasmine first. Thanks be to God. We're thankful for you, Jasmine. Hope. Exact same key, but a different space in a new way. 
both happen. It's <laughs> good. And I think there was like 10 people on the worship team that night. We were, we were very excited about leading that night. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.